We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charge podcast. Um, that fucking sucked. That was not very fun. So, uh, you know, obviously coming to you live right after the Chargers' uh, historic loss at the hands of the Jacksonville Jaguars with my guys uh, Tyler, Arjun, and Alex. Uh, Tyler, we'll start with you, man. Um, are you okay? You're doing good? I'm doing okay. My mom cooked dinner and we ordered food from every which random place and that was nice so i'm at least full you know i'm not upset and starving and honestly at the end of the day we're all chargers fans we've kind of been here before and being here with you guys being here with everyone in the chat really just everyone throughout the season win or loss like we're here with chargers fans and that feels good so love you guys love everyone in the chat i appreciate you guys being here so i'm good long as we have each other we're good with that said fuck that suck dude <laughs> <laughs> that was uh very well said i wouldn't uh want to process this uh terrible terrible evening with anyone else um alex what's up you okay you good how we doing we there was a moment i believe it was 27 7 27 0 i don't remember but arjun messaged the chat and said they can't fuck this up and I, me and Tyler were both like, yep, <laughs> they can't fuck it up. They can't do it. It's impossible. There's no way. And by golly, did they fucking find a way to screw the pooch on this one. Um, they're the first team in NFL history with a 
five turnover differential to to lose. Um, I I don't know where to start, man. Steven, you're the host. You can you know take the reins <laughs> on this one and and what we start talking about, but. Whew. Yeah, man. I, uh, I I've seen a lot of shit over the years for the Chargers. I think this is this is a new low. Granted, I was only in like middle school when the Marlon McCree thing happened, so I don't really remember that. But uh, this one uh, definitely takes the cake for me. So um, you know, we'll we'll see how the night goes. Obviously, you know, we've got some comments and questions that we'll I'm sure we'll get to. A lot of things that we have to uh, process tonight for sure uh you know last but not least arjun you okay you doing good how we doing <laughs> it, it's tough man i mean i like I, I felt pretty confident on the show last night even today morning i woke up i'm like it, i do feel like it's gonna be like a staley master class first half staley master class every drive staley master class and then it just it just turns to shit and it's just like i haven't you know I, i've always i've been a fan since i grew up didn't really like understand the 2006 stuff because I, I was little but this was by far the, the worst loss I think I've ever just experienced just being up that much blowing it on the road all the narratives everything was set up for Staley to you know dominate in that first half and he did and then second half came and the worst part about it for me was I was like doubling tripling down on on Twitter just like <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, master. Understandably so. Yeah, I predicted this. Right. And I just it, it just it just appalls me how you could be that good in the first half and then stink it up that bad in the second half. I just it, from an outside perspective, I, I don't really know if there's any like any explanation at all for what just happened. No, I think I think this this tops the the list of things I, I can never really wrap my head around uh, seeing on a football field. Um, you know, I, I think everybody who really talks about this sport always emphasizes how important the turnover ratio is and like how important it is to, uh, to win that battle and, and play good on special teams. And, you know, the, the Dicker missed kick aside, I thought the special teams did play pretty well tonight, uh, came up with some, some key moments, but, uh, losing the, or winning the turnover battle five zero and losing the game. Uh, is something that I, I can't say that I've ever seen. And, uh, you know, it just sucks, man. Like, uh, you know, we're all here to uh, process all of this. I like I feel terrible for what these players are probably feeling as well. Oh, my gosh. I mean, we obviously we all love the Chargers and we're here to, uh, you know, be fans of the team and, and watch these players. And a lot of these players did a lot of great things. I mean, like Morgan Fox had a career season, Bryce Callahan. Michael Davis had a career season and then gets injured tonight. And that really changed the game. You know, Jamari Sawyer stepping in as a six round rookie was a great story this season. Justin Herbert battling through these, these rib injuries and and not having Keenan, not having Mike and all of this stuff and, and dragging this team to the playoffs all for this shit to happen. I just, I feel awful for all of us, obviously that are talking about it and, and all of uh, you guys listening to the chat, but, you know, these players deserve so much better than what they got from this coaching staff, specifically mm -hmm. the offensive coaching staff. I it took me a while, obviously, to come around on the Joe Lombardi concerns. Um, mm -hmm. But this this offensive game plan tonight was truly atrocious. And, and you can start with Brandon Staley. And I think he obviously deserves a lot of credit 
or, or a lot of uh, blame, excuse me, <laughs> a lot of a large share of the, the blame for sure. Um, but this, the way that the, this staff approached this offensive game, you know, you don't have Mike Williams and, and you know, we talked about the ro- roster management and Joe Lombardi deserves a lot of blame for that too. And then you lose uh, Jamari Sawyer and I think six of their eight rushes in the second half were to the left side of the offensive line with a literal tomato can at left tackle. Like I'm, I'm sure Foster Sorrell is a, is a nice guy, but Zion and Trey Pipkins have been crushing it all year Dude. long in the run game. <laughs> and you're running every single time to the left. Like again, Brandon Staley deserves a lot of blame for today. I, I don't know totally. if he's going to be able to come back from this, but the way that Joe Lombardi has approached the second half all season long, and particularly tonight is atrocious coaching. Like, I think from a large scale football standpoint, the the takeaway is that Doug Peterson, you know, coaches laps around what Joe Lombardi does on offense. Like I've never seen offensive coaching gap that large in a playoff game than what we saw tonight from Doug Peterson and Joe Lombardi. So, um, yeah, never seen anything like that. I truly have never seen anything like that. And uh, if Joe Lombardi is even an average, has an average game plan, Chargers probably win tonight. It's so tough because there are 25%, let's say 25% of this game where I think I like that. That thing seems to work like, you know, running right, the way they were getting Keenan Allen involved in the red zone, even though it was over two in those situations, trying to get the tight ends more involved, even that played a part that didn't work. It's like, okay, you know, there's something there. Otherwise, boy, that was not just the runs that went left behind Foster Sarah, which I don't understand, which is like the biggest offense to me overall. It's just for whatever reason, one quarterback looked very comfortable in the second half and another one did not. And granted, the one who's looked more comfortable in the second half had a terrible first half. <laughs> but for whatever reason, whatever they did, it, it, it's all kind of a fog in my memory now. Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence, and that system, they found a way to get him comfortable, get things working. Whatever Joe Lombardi called in the second half, yes, run run plays left were terrible, but Herbert never looked completely comfortable. Things were off sync. Herbert does deserve some, some blame for missing some things. He's human. It happens. But the biggest fault is that in that second half, up as much as they were, Joe Lombardi didn't seem to make it easy or make you know anything that made Justin Herbert comfortable in that game or in the second half, and he's gone. Like there, there's no way he's back. I can't imagine he's back. And, and extending from that, we will get into all this at some point. But just because I did get a message literally right after the game, I think we do have to talk about Tom Telesco and the. I mean, again, we went from Jamari Salyer, who thank God he was even on the team this year to Foster Sorrell, and that clearly was not great. They went with four wide receivers last week, and, you know, Mike Williams gets hurt. Bandy gets no reps. Bandy goes into the game today, and he kind of screws up some plays, it seems, or whatever happened on that that sweep. I don't know. Anyway, the message I got after the game was someone needs to be fired for roster management. And so I think a combination, whatever they're doing on offense, whether it is Joel Lombardi calling plays or whoever is doing the personnel, whatever, Someone has to go. This whole offensive operation is offensive. I hate watching it. Something needs to change. Yeah. yeah. Real quick before uh, 
Alex jumps in. I mean, Max Vega <laughs> hit it up before the, the stream even started. You know, uh, Joe Lombardi is absolutely in danger. So appreciate the uh, big super chat there from uh, Max. Thank you, Max. Yeah, that it was tough to watch. Um, I Like when DeAndre Carter came out of the game and they had to put Michael Bandy in and Joe Lombardi, it, what's emblematic of Joe Lombardi season is that he's never stopped doing the things that don't work. Um, <laughs> there's no other play that demonstrates yep. it better than a Michael Bandy fucking end around as like the <laughs> biggest fuck you I've ever seen. You have 20 points. It was funny then. And then it wasn't funny because it was that same shit, the same stubbornness that we got for the rest of the game. And, you know, for them to run it to the left as many times as they did, despite Foster Serrell being out there, I, I don't, I don't even know. Like, how you can have an offensive game plan that that's that bad in the second half. Um, and I mean, part of the reason that the chargers, you know, lost this game is the first team to win the turnover battle five, you know, <laughs> by five, like they didn't like take advantage, you know, outside of the second, you know, outside of the second half, they, you know, they converted some field goals in the first. Um, but like, I don't know. They just, they never really consolidated, uh, those drives uh, into touchdowns uh, towards the end of the second half or the end of the first half, I should say. Um, and I don't know, just it's just so disappointing to see Joe Lombardi do the same stuff that we've seen the whole year. And, you know, when they were on this four game winning streak, it was like, OK, it's cool. Um, but, you know, when you finally had to go against a, a playoff offense, you know, that is going to respond to the punches that the Jaguars took in the first half. When you finally have to respond to, you know, drive for drive with a playoff head coach and a playoff offensive coordinator, um, Joe Lombardi just couldn't do it. And uh, I I don't know. I don't know how this is sustainable. I don't think it's been sustainable for large portions of this year to continue with Joe Lombardi as the offensive coordinator. But they did it because they were keeping him to the end of the season anyway. Um, but yeah, that was that was pretty disastrous. Did not give Herbert any easy plays and when you compare that to what you know Doug's adjustments were in the second half in giving Trevor Lawrence easy plays and giving him slants across the field and making life easy for him after he you know had this awful first half yeah you know like Doug Peterson play-by-play got his quarterback back into the game Joe Lombardi play-by-play took his quarterback out of the game Um, and that's about as succinctly as I can kind of say it um and yeah you know we can talk about staley and i'm sure we'll get to him at some point uh but yeah this is a pretty disastrous offensive game and it's just something's got to change and right now as i'm seeing it here the problem really wasn't personnel as much tonight it was absolutely the coaching i think also i mean I don't think Justin Herbert played the greatest game. I don't think he was bad either. Um, it's tough to really just like figure out what he's supposed to do in this offense. It, it felt like in the second half, it was constantly third and long, third and long. This early down run game was just horrific. And it's like, I mean, I think you guys have kind of brought up all the points. There's just like no faith. I just have no faith in this offensive offense in general it feels like everything is super hard for herbert the best plays were tight end screens everything else i feel like is herbert either either having to step up in the pocket and throw a dart make a tightly contested throw 
it's it, it was just a, an abomination of a game from the offense in the second half and the defense. And I mean, I don't know, like I'm not that big of a scheme guy to know like what the defensive adjustment was to what Doug Peterson did, but you could just watch that game and tell he Trevor Lawrence was throwing, was throwing from clean pockets, almost all like every single snap in the second half. Mac had the occasional had the sack there uh, in the fourth quarter, but it felt like Lawrence was throwing from clean pockets all game. And then the story I feel like of the Chargers season, you get them to second and 19 and you get a bullshit DPI on a four yard hitch, which all you have to do is tackle him and you're in third and 15. I understand making a play for the ball. I think that was the right play, but it, it's just, it symbolizes kind of everything that went on with the Chargers this year. And it's, I think it's just hilarious that, or it's not hilarious. It's, it's, it's dumb how DeAndre Carter gets hurt everything you us four have been talking about that they activate four rock four receivers on game day and every like michael bandy is playing significant snaps in a playoff game that is and your quarterback is on a rookie deal you should be able to do whatever Mm -hmm. the hell you want what Mm -hmm. whenever you want right and michael bandy is the third receiver for at least one half of a playoff game i don't and look the last thing i'll say you know, I, I, I was hoping Herbert wouldn't kind of put up a stinker. I don't think he did. Mm-hmm. I do think there will be a lot of takes. I think they are warranted. There, there's just something that it's not that I don't feel confident in him. I just haven't seen him, like, take over a game this year. He did it last year at times. He did it a little bit this year. But there is something. It's not that it factor thing. I just haven't seen him kind of lead a team start to finish the victory because I think other players like Mahomes, Brady, they would have put, had a touchdown to put that game away. He did miss Keenan on that third and goal. It's it's tough to really say like how to like divvy up the blame. Majority goes to the coaching staff, but I also think part of it goes to uh, the players as well. Yeah, um, I think part of it goes to the players, and like Arjun said, with roster construction, you know, we literally sat here on the stream yesterday and we were like, well, if DeAndre Carter gets hurt you're kind of fucked like and that's we said that if you know he gets hurt in a kick return and here comes bryce callahan oh he's in on the punt return what happened um and you know the rest is kind of history from there so um i i think the reason that you know a lot of people are going to say that large-scale change needs to happen past joe lombardi too is that tom telesco is responsible for this roster and you know the resources it doesn't have every week to sustain itself right the fact that michael bandy is wide receiver three is all on brandon staley joe lombardi and tom telesco right like the fact that the chargers you know never really drafted you know receiver this year i'm not saying that would have like changed what happened today but you know they just sort of invested in like okay well here's our preseason guys and like we're just kind of gonna invest and see which one's the best of them and Michael Bandy was the winner of that sweepstakes, and he's playing wide receiver three tonight. Like it, it just, it was just painful to watch, and it's it's all of the little things that just built up over the course of this season, um, in regards to roster management, and you know, in in terms of like coaching, you could say that there wasn't like, there wasn't one thing that went wrong, but everything that happened in this game tonight was emblematic of what we saw in the best of the chargers i guess you could say and the worst of the chargers this year right um and we've seen plenty of games like this um you know the ch- games the chargers struggled to win 
the games the Chargers, you know, you know, got blown out like by the Jags, you know, all the time ago, right? So, um, it, it's just been everything was kind of, you know, leading to this moment. I didn't think it would go this badly. Where twenty seven zero will be a thing that's talked about for years and years <sighs> to come. Um, no coming back from that one. And uh, yeah, I, I just I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just every problem that they've had in the last two years under Staley, under Telesco, just reared its head tonight. Um, and it was all the little yeah. things that went wrong. In addition to Herbert not playing like he was perfect. Right. In addition to like yeah. all those things, because Lawrence didn't play like he was perfect either. But the coaching around him is better. The roster management around him is better, even though the Jags aren't as talented of a team as the Chargers. Um, you know, say what you will, the Jags fans were attending their last game of the season last year wearing clown wigs. You know, that's how shit that roster was. That's how everything needed to be rebuilt from the ground bottom. Um, and the Chargers are just at, sitting at this point where it just feels like the Chargers kind of need the same nuke, so to speak, because everything the Chargers have built for the last two years, um, hasn't worked and it's the same problems they're experiencing over and over again. I appreciate the fact that Tyler's just over here, like playing with his dog while we're all just like basking in the shit show we just watched. Um, okay. yeah. I, it's just like, I, I think the, again, the biggest difference here between these two teams that we watched, it, it's, it's the lack of easy buttons, right? Like I think yeah. you look at the way that Doug Peterson is able to scheme things up where, you know, he's going to get Evan Ingram and, and these, all these guys in space, and he's going to use this, use this speed and those, and, you know, Zay Jones and Evan Ingram and Christian Kirk and Marvin Jones. Like that's not an elite supporting cast, mm -hmm. but they sure looked like one tonight, man, because the way that Doug Peterson was just dialing them up and everything tonight for the Chargers was a fucking slog. Um, you know, you have all week long to prepare for mm -hmm. life without Mike Williams this week, you know, whether or not they knew hundred percent certainty that he was or wasn't going to play, uh, you know, they should have been prepared for life without Mike Williams this week. And, you know, Joshua Palmer, I think has been a fine wide receiver too. you know, adjacent at times throughout the season. Where were his easy buttons? Where where's the effort to get Joshua Palmer going? You know, he two catches for thirty one yards. Mm -hmm. Where's the effort to get Keenan Allen some some easy touches and and get him going? You know, the the only player who got easy buttons tonight was Gerald Everett, and it was all tight end screens, like Arjun was saying. And just the the stubbornness from this offense, like how many times do we have to fucking watch this Austin Eckler screen game? And I think Austin Eckler's had a fantastic season. It's not a slight on him, mm -hmm. but it, it never works. It never works. And, you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence is getting all these RPOs. He's getting out on the move. And, you know, Justin Herbert with a fourth string practice squad left tackle is, you know, asked to do traditional seven step drops on every Straight single fucking play. It's... It, it, it was ridiculous watching that offense operate. And, uh, you know, Herbert probably deserves some blame. I mean, 25 of 43, 273 yards, one touchdown. So he didn't play perfect by any means. I don't think he played bad. 5.9 air yards per attempt tonight. 5.9, according to Mina Kimes and Next Gen Stats. Like it just, it was it was a shit show from Joe Lombardi. And you know, we'll we'll get to Brandon Staley here in a second, I'm sure. But uh, there, there's no way Joe Lombardi should be coaching this team next year. And, and frankly, I'm taking a nuke to the entire offensive coaching staff at minimum 
at minimum, the, the entire offensive coach staff can leave. Like I, I, I don't, I am, I'm not attached to any of these position coaches either. Like I think Kevin Coger, maybe, you know, we'll see about him. I think, you know, he got some offensive coordinator interviews last year, but you know, people want to see what Shane day has. I don't think Shane day is anything special. I don't think the running back coach is anything special. Like the entire offensive coaching staff can go and Joe Lombardi should be left in Jacksonville. I, I don't, disagree and, and certainly with the new offensive coordinator there will be a new staff i would imagine uh they maybe keep shane day because it's the whole like oh connection and you know whatever but otherwise man, that whole offensive coach stuff is going to be gone yeah all right we'll get we'll run through some super chats because we're getting uh, there's a, a lot, lot of them right now and mm-hmm. appreciate all of you guys i think this is the most we've the most people we've had in the stream all year so uh yeah. you know we love you more guys. embarrassing <laughs> losses <laughs> Um, you know, Tim Stewart, obviously, uh, just sent in a super sticker. So appreciate that one. Um, Tyler's mom sent in a big super chat. Um, she she said that you guys did an amazing job covering the season, worked your ass off to provide this incredible content. And, uh, you know, we do, we do work our asses off to to do this show. So, uh, appreciate that. Tyler's mom, obviously always in here doing super chats. So, uh, can't thank her enough. And apparently she's a a new charters fan. So what a way to, uh, baptize her into into the fandom. She, what a- uh, she, she, yeah, she's a 100% a diehard. I mean, she's always supported, but this season, man, and getting to go to a couple of games, she's like just super diehard. And of course, today I tweet like, my mom's a new diehard <laughs> fan, and we're up 27 0. Yay! You know, we're all so excited, and then that happened. So, uh, I don't know, maybe she's switched fandoms by now. I don't blame you. <laughs> you know, mom, I want you to live forever, so just, t- just get out of here now. I'm it's stuck. It's not but, worth the stress. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> Just get out of here. I love you. All right. Uh, next one here from Teresa Compapas. He says Lombardi 100% has to go. He's 50 mm-hmm. 50 on Staley. Uh, if he vouched for Joe at any point, then he 100% has to go. And then he says this one hurts more than McCree. You want to table the Staley discussion for a little longer, get through the super chats, and then maybe. Yeah. Okay um solo man uh go utah it's been a rough couple weeks for my teams man it really has <laughs> not been fun for me the last few weeks steven i'm with you with Mich- with Michigan. i know also. we've gone through it man see alex at least your team's not e- like rutgers isn't even a thing I like know. you don't even have to be stressed about <laughs> rutgers basketball baby we're like fourth <laughs> of the big 10 right now so watch hey, out there you go that's awesome <laughs> Got to fucking pivot somewhere after this shit. <laughs> hey, you get some tennis talk too. You're good. Oh god, if Nadal loses tomorrow after this, I'm just gonna b- hide for a few days. I was just gonna pull that one up. Teresa again says Joe better not even be on the same plane ride home. Uh, yes, leave him in Jacksonville. It's just atrocious. I'll just oh. go through if you want to read them off. Yeah, you go through. You're clearly faster than I am at it. Um, Tim Stewart says, Alex, you got to stay with us, my dude. I don't know. I don't remember if that was in reference to anything. But... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, worst losses of all time. Uh, depressed Chargers fan says, worst losses of all time. Number three, 2004 versus Jets. Lost 20 to 17. Uh, I believe that is the Nate Kading game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, number two, this game. And then number one, the Marlon McCree game from 2006. I think that's probably a fair list although i don't think any of us really remember that uh marlon mccree game very much yeah when they're in the postseason it's definitely worse 
Um, I mean, honestly, week 18 last year really sucked. Yeah, it's funny. I, I almost tweeted today. I had the same feeling going into this game that I had going into that week 18 game, which is supreme confidence the Chargers are going to win. And um, I mean, geez. But um, yeah, we've seen a lot. I, I remember leaving early from that Saints game in San Diego because I thought they had wrapped it up against the Saints after getting the ball back or whatever, you know, forcing a fumble. And then by the time I got to the tram, the Chargers had lost the game. So oh that was not God. good. That was the stretch where they lost, I think, three or four games where the odds of them losing the games at a certain point and the way that they did was like one in three or 30 million or whatever. So that was well, tonight. Good. Tonight, at one point, they had a 98% chance of winning, according to ESPN. So great. So there we go. That's I mean, fun. there's a there's a lot of bad ones. I mean, Texans Monday Night Football. Um, Texans Rockies. last year. Te- Texans last year. Any Jesus. Texans loss. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that you could count multiple Texans losses tells you there's a fucking problem. Um, yeah, Broncos Monday Night Football. Broncos in the Anthony Lynn era, 16 plus point. Uh, lead. <laughs> 2020 in general. Oh Jesus, uh, 45-0. I mean, that's um, that's an all timer. 2018 postseason loss to the Patriots, complete blowout. Oh, um, yeah, this um, is fun. We could just, we'll just list off. Um, so y'all got time. Y'all got to look at Braden's new tweet. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. So, <laughs> what do you say? Uh, Emmanuel Acho uh, tweeted the picture of him holding up the social media QB jersey that he made uh-huh. uh, an hour ago and said the Chargers will always charger. And then Braden Fahoko quote tweeted it and said, you was just on here crying two days ago about people abusing you on social media. <laughs> Mr. Uncomfortable conversations couldn't cut it in the league. So you're trying to cut agendas. <laughs> Bum. That's <laughs> true. Oh, man. I, uh, whatever. Whatever. Not going to give him any more time. We got to get through some super chats too. Yeah. Uh, Michael Lopez says, blow it all up, build around Herbert, get Sean Payton, even if that means getting rid of Derwin or Joey in the process. Um, I big don't, changes I don't, are coming. Well, big changes are coming. I don't, I don't know if they have to do that if they want to get Sean Payton. I don't know, yeah, you know I don't think that works. But... I don't think that's mutually <laughs> there. Okay, we can say that Joey was pretty ass today, though, and he did cost the Chargers. Like, like that. Okay, that slop list by Callahan was beauty, and mm-hmm. then Joey's offside. Mm-hmm. Two unnecessary roughness on sports and like like you just yeah. like you're you're in your what eighth you're in, your, in the league like you can't be making those fucking mistakes as a veteran no. i can understand trevon walker doing that shit i don't understand how joey bose is yeah. doing that obviously the production was was still there when he was healthy but like this mm-hmm. is it was just like i i just don't get it and he was getting locked up by Jawan taylor like we're not going to talk about like how, how yeah. he, he just wasn't getting like one mishold yeah. Jawan taylor had him in clamps all game he was getting yeah. chipped and stuff but still i, I didn't see one impact play from him yeah, I think like the offsides, like I, I think that was probably a little ticky tacky. Yeah, but if you're Joey, you can't you can't be yelling at referees and like tossing your helmet around and and slamming yeah. it like while you're on the field. Like literally, walk six more steps and then do whatever the fuck you want if with your helmet if you want to slam that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that was a game changing play, and you know Doug Peterson ends up getting to go for two, and it was uh you know a great quarterback sneak call. So, oh thanks. Um, Joey Bosa absolutely uh d- he should know better than that. It was a, a massive mm-hmm. mistake on his part. I thought that he played really fantastic over the last two weeks, but 
Um, he was not great today. Um, yeah. you know, and obviously made two big, big mistakes um in terms of penalties. I think he ended up with 45 total yards of penalties tonight. I'm really curious. We'll never know, although we guess we could try to dig and find out if he really did get hurt against the Broncos or if something really did pop up because I mean the numbers were great before that. And then all of a sudden, you know, the last time we see him, he's you know hurt, but then Staley says he's not hurt. And then he goes into this game and has a not so great game. Maybe Juwan Taylor's had a good game. I don't know. As far as the penalties, I, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of discussion about that that penalty at the end that caused the charter the, the Jaguars to go for two. To be completely honest, with the way the offense laid a goose egg, and then you know the Jaguars were moving down the field, Jaguars probably just would have scored a touchdown anyway with the momentum they had. Like there's no yeah. doubt in my mind, Chargers or the Jaguars probably would have scored a touchdown. So definitely a lot on Joey. Um, and I'm I'm going to wait to hear what happened on that that first yeah. unsportsmanlike call because, I mean, unless he said something terrible, like it, it seemed like he was frustrated, yelled yeah. something as he was walking away. The, the ref, ref kind of ran him down, yeah. And ran him down and threw a flag. So, you know, I'm not excusing the behavior on the sideline, but I feel like there's more I want to piece together. And then regardless, like people will talk about that penalty for sure, but I think the Jaguars would have scored a touchdown if they needed it anyway. Yeah, but you're not trading Joey Boza or Derwin James. You're 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 not doing that. Not Derwin. I don't. Think I mean, you literally trade. cannot. You literally cannot yeah. trade them. Yeah, they're not movable. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think Tyler, people know my to... opinion on blaming the refs, especially when you blew a twenty-seven-zero fucking lead. Yeah, it's not not the, not oh, the no, thing no, to no, lead no, with. No. Yeah. If anything, yeah. I felt bad for Jaguars fans in the first half to some extent. Yeah, they were they were yeah. bad on both sides. You know, um, they were definitely some. Alohi Gilman definitely got away with a pass interference in the end zone, for example. So mm-hmm. uh, they were bad on both sides. Uh, Joe Cruz says, "How can we ever trust Staley again? He has to go." I think uh, the lack of trust is is definitely something that needs to be addressed. So, um, again, we'll we'll kind of dive in there in a little bit here. We'll get um, there. Hey, we're yeah. over a thousand live viewers. Woo-hoo! Thanks, everyone. Woo-hoo! Appreciate you guys, man. Crushing it tonight. All right, Tyler, let's get to the next one. Uh, Jake Ballard said, "I'm sad. This is all coaching for everyone saying trade Bosa Scruff. It is all coaching. I absolutely agree with that." Oh gosh, here we go. Here we go uh ricardo says why are we focusing on lombardi's job security staley needs to go we should be focusing on him and his body of work not just lombardi um we are going ab- we are absolutely going to talk about brandon staley it's just that joe lombardi was the worst coach on the field tonight so uh max vega i'm done for tom telesco hiring first year coaches like mike mccoy anthony Lynn, and now brandon staley i think it's time to hire a veteran coach yes i think that's where they'll pivot if they do fire him uh hogwatch it's all running the ball impacts everything yeah i'm scrolling baby what does you guys mean? are so you <laughs> <laughs> can't run the ball so yeah i think you just yeah. how shit they you were have to run it 75 percent of the time or whatever yeah. yeah uh joe cruz uh i have not seen staley make any progress since his first two games as a head coach First game, Commanders, sketch win. Second game, Cowboys lost. Nothing has changed since then. I think there are some things that can that have changed, and, and Tyler kind of highlighted a little bit of them this morning. I, I would say the way he does some things with the roster, maybe. But as far as 
at least from last season, I don't know if I can say that Staley's taken a big step forward or a real significant step forward as an on-field coach. I mean, we're still seeing, you know, do I feel any different between week 18 last year and, and today? Not really. So just real quick on that. Yeah. I think he's gotten better at the whole game, like managing the game. He's, he's really good with timeouts, really good in two-minute scenarios for the most part. I think before today, he was pretty good with challenges. I didn't mind the challenge today. I, I don't think burning a timeout or whenever the offense burned a timeout or the defense before the challenge, that was bad. The fourth down regression has been awful. That is, I'm not mm -hmm. saying that's cost them games because obviously we don't know if they would have converted had they gone for it on fourth down. But whatever happened that he got less aggressive, less aggressive on fourth down definitely hurt them. And yeah, I mean, I, I have never really seen him be a great in-game adjuster like some of these other coaches are. And so, yeah, I do agree with whatever that take was that, you know, he wasn't that great. Yeah, and, and particularly the lack of aggression and going for it on fourth down, I mean, shows in this game against Doug Peterson, who basically was like, look, I'm going to, even if it fucks me, I'm going to take the two-point conversion, right? You know, and he went for it on quite a few fourth downs. Um, obviously, you know, you could say that he kind of did it in a position where he had to, or they were down, you know, 27-7. Um, but at the same time, it was like, you know, you just saw the difference in terms of, you know, we give like Gus Bradley, for example, a lot of shit in terms of like playing prevent defense and doing that with a big lead. And I don't know, I, I sort of saw some of the same things from Staley tonight. Like, I mean, in terms of just what he did out there. Um, and then, of course, just it, it felt like he was coaching in a way where he was assuming Lombardi would put up points and then Lombardi just wasn't putting up points. Yeah, that's actually a good way to put it. Yeah, um, you know, and so I mean, both of them, in terms of how they coach the game, sort of together in that sense, I think really cost them in this game against Doug Peterson. And like Arjun said, um, the fourth down regression was a big part of why the Chargers even came close to the playoffs last year. Mm -hmm. um, and for them to not go for it as much this year, uh, you, you know, you I don't know if there's a specific game where I would say it would cost them. But to not be as aggressive and meet the moment and the way that Doug Peterson did, I mean, like it, it did really cost you tonight. Yeah. And uh, to both of you guys' points, you know, Arjun retweeted this tweet from Eric Eager. Uh, Chargers kicked a field goal on fourth and goal from the four. They <laughs> kicked a uh, field goal on fourth and goal from the five, fourth yeah. and three from the 22, uh, all in the first half, I believe. They did or... the same thing against uh, the Cleveland Browns this year. And the yeah. only reason that they won that uh, game. Yeah is because Cade York missed the field goal in which Taylor decided to go for it on fourth and two. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, yeah, fourth down decision-making, the taking the field goals inside the 10-yard line, like those have been things that have been constant, you know, throughout the whole year in terms of managing the game um, and doing it tonight in this way against this particular coach. Um, it, it absolutely cost Taylor. Yeah, and uh, Eric said that they go for all of those last year. I don't know... If they would go for every single one, I think the the I the the take the field goal in the second half. I think you you probably agree with doing that. You you definitely needed points in that regard. But mm -hmm. you know, I I can't remember a single time Brandon Staley kicked a field goal within the five yard line yeah. last year. And I feel like Brandon Staley also considered like what the point in the game was, right? Or like what you're stretching the score to, because right in reality, like you, you know, the decision to kick it. Uh, in the field goal that Dicker ended up missing, you know, you were stretching a two possession game to a two possession game. And that's something that I know Arjun has like kind of said before. So the, you know, 
again, the Jags need a touchdown at the end of the game if Dicker just hits that field goal. But at the same time, like they also would have just needed a touchdown with a defense that was pretty much fully breaking down to win that game either. So I don't I don't know if going for three or you know would have you know made a huge difference like instead or if they have that three points I, I probably changes how the Jaguars and the Chargers call the game but the Chargers defense kind of fully imploded by that point yeah all right let's get to some of these other super chats here and then you know, we can chat about our beloved head coach uh Christian Hernandez says Jags switched to man second half doubled Keenan and nobody else got open the O-line sucked too play call was the same Jags mm-hmm. were ready for that play action shot um, yeah, again, this is the easy button thing for me, you know, Keenan getting double teamed. You have to have an answer for that. And, uh, you know, Doug Peterson had answers and Joe Lombardi did not. So, you know, yeah. when, when your whole offense is predicated on your receiver winning one-on-one battles, there's no mesh, there's no rub concepts where you're able to beat man coverage and you're, you know, Keenan, I think has been good since he came back. He's still, I think not the same receiver he was Palmer. I think he's been fine, but he's still like, I don't know if you can rely on him. And you have Bandy mm-hmm. as wide receiver three. There, You have to create as the offensive coach, offensive yeah. play caller. You can't rely on these players to win one-on-one matchups, especially given their age, their status, and just playing an away game, a crowds like there, there's not a lot going for you. And I think I agree with whatever Christian said. They, the Chargers just couldn't figure out the Jags man defense. And I think that, mm-hmm. you know, that's why we saw Herbert taking more sacks than we did in the first half. Yeah. Go ahead, Tyler. I don't know if you had something else there. Yeah, just uh, I don't watch enough of the plays and keep track of the plays, but it just feels like in particular with the run game, there's some tell or just they're running the same plays over and over again where it just seems like you're playing like Madden mobile and you call the same play over and over again. At some point, like the defense just drives through your offensive line. If you've played it, you know what I'm talking about. It's just what it feels like sometimes with the, with the Chargers and Joe Lombardi where it's like, I think the play should work. And I, I think that the way they call it, like there's enough good blockers and good backs and whatever. But the Jaguars and teams all year have been keying in on exactly what the Chargers are doing. Like you can tell, even in the run game, like not just stick concepts, like even in the run game, guys know, the teams know what the Chargers are about to do. And I don't know if there's a tell. I don't know if they just run the same thing at a certain spot or whatever. I don't know. But that's a huge problem that it will be addressed, I'm sure, by a new coach. I hope. Yeah, and and I think it's a combination of Doug Peterson making that adjustment, right, in terms of what he did to stop the Chargers' offense in the first half or in the second half, I should say. Uh, plus, I mean, obviously, Michael Davis gets hurt, and mm-hmm. after Michael Davis got hurt, the Chargers had no answers for anybody, whether it was, I mean, uh, Evan Ingram, Christian Kirk, um, you know, Zay Jones, in particular. Right. Like um, and Michael Davis's loss was definitely felt uh, in that game, particularly with Zay Jones. But at the same time, like. The whole secondary should not hinge on like Michael Davis, right? Like Derwin obviously kind of needed to play better in this game. Um, And, you know, you still had Asante Samuel Jr. You know, uh, Ja Taylor has been serviceable in some snaps, right? Um, and you saw Bryce Callahan as your kind of weapon too. So the way that this secondary was kind of coached in the second half, um, you know, particularly the last 10 minutes or so of the game, also after Michael Davis was out, um, I don't know. Like it, it just kind of goes back to how like 
top heavy this roster is a little bit where it's like, okay, if you don't have Michael Davis or JC Jackson, you know, what kind of is your secondary? And it was just kind of a full like implosion tonight uh, in that regard. And yeah, I, I, I don't know what you do going forward there. Obviously they have a decision to make on Michael Davis. I assume he'll be back. Um, but yeah, just um, really tough stuff in general for, you know, Staley being the mastermind that he is to, you know, or that he's supposed to be to not really be able to figure out how to do anything in that fourth quarter without Michael Davis and not getting past rush pressure. Didn't figure out how to manufacture anything. Just didn't have answers. Yeah. Their usual stuff was not working. I mean, how many times did we see Drew Tranquil or Kenneth Murray just get, you know, swallowed up by Brandon Scherf on the right side. And, you know, obviously Bryce Callen had the one sack that got negated by the penalty. And then Kenneth Murray had a great sack, but, the second half, the usual stuff was just not working. And, uh, you know, Brandon Staley didn't have any counter punches. So um, is what it is there. All right, we'll get to some other ones. Uh, Ricardo said Joey Bosa's behavior in the end was unacceptable. I agree. Absolutely yeah. agree. Absolutely. Uh, Derek White, Ficken and Ansley are the only coaches I actually care about keeping at this point. Uh, man, I love Ryan Ficken. I think he's such a fantastic coach. Like, I was laughing there. You know, they give up the biggest return of the season to, to Agnew. And then he does a pooch kick to the blocking tight end. Like, I was just <laughs> laughing so hard at that. Um, I mean, you know, Troy Reader using one of the other Jaguars players to, like, run into the punter legally was fantastic. So whatever happens with the coaching staff, Ryan Ficken needs to stick around, needs to get a raise. Mm-hmm. And uh, if the Chargers lose him, I'm going to be very, very upset. Yeah, 100% agree there. I'm seriously just I know we're going through this. Thank you everyone for sending in these super chats. Uh sorry we're not getting to anything else, but like this is a lot. So thank you so much, guys. Yeah. Uh Aries Creed said at halftime until my friend Jags will adjust as Chargers tighten up and play safe, they'll lose. Uh it is so disappointing to see less creativity in these situations. Uh Lance Terrazona, <laughs> I think I said that right. He says, ah, GF and mom are with us in this therapy <laughs> session too. Uh, appreciate uh, well, appreciate then. the family uh, watching the watching the podcast tonight. Yeah, go get different mobile devices though. We need the three views, not the one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> uh, stories. I lowkey blame Boltby for juicing us. LMAO. Blame me. Blame me. I took the victory. Lap. Hey, we, we were all taking victory laps at halftime, man. Like yeah. again, if you would have told me at halftime that, or if sure. you told me today. Like like six hours ago that the Chargers would get five turnovers from Trevor Lawrence and company, I'd be like, hell yeah, they won by like fifteen, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Arjun, Arjun, you've bet on the you've bet money on the Chargers twice this year. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so I just I I shouldn't have done. I usually emotionally hedge, and I should have done that, but um, it's fine. It's fine. I'll get over it. <laughs> Hopefully not too. God, we got a guy in the chat saying we need to trade Justin Herbert to get Caleb Williams. What are you? What are you on right now? Oh, that ha- no, that has to be the um, fire Telesco guy with the frog. He got <laughs> suspended from Twitter, but that's the fool who's been saying that shit all all season. Trevor oh, Lawrence man. or uh, Caleb? Wait, he said Caleb Williams, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, come on. Uh, next one, Caleb Breslin says Bandy shouldn't have been rostered in the NFL ever. Caleb, a long way. You know, <laughs> you know, Bandy wasn't even good enough to make the XFL draft, right? Oh, I did not know that. That's a tad so that, that's that's just well, I, that, I'm not. That's not my opinion. That's just a fact. Like he wasn't yeah. good enough to even get selected for the XFL draft. So that kind of shows you where he is as a player. 
and you know he was starting. He was playing in the second half. Uh, Chris, you're all over six foot. Jeez. <laughs> Chris B said, realistically, if ownership wanted to fire Staley, when would they do it? Uh, I think it would happen in the next 24 hours. Uh, Tron forward, uh, yeah, forward 2006 remains the strongest team we ever had, and we still got out coached. Sure, yeah, Chargers averaged more points per drive last year than 2006 offense, and they still didn't make the postseason. Yep, they Yay. were like, I think they were like 12th in NFL history last year and like drive success rate on offense last year. So <laughs> that's fun. Uh, Tim was saying that his earlier chat was referring to Alex leaving Gak at the end of the season, he got to stay so. Uh, you know, we got the we're taking a stuff. week break regardless. Yeah, maybe maybe a month break. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll get to some of these other ones. Uh, Caleb, we won't see Keenan Allen in a Chargers jersey again. I think that's a, a little dramatic there. The name that I've heard about moving on the most so far this year has been Keenan Allen. I'll say that much. Not that they would, but it's been brought up several times at several points. They well, they couldn't move on this season if they wanted to right yeah there's a clean cut and save money here there is um, in 2023 I mean, well in terms of cap right Arjun? i mean i don't remember if it's 2023 or if it's 2024 i think 2024 is the clean one yeah, while we're on the topic of contracts stop using spot track it's over the cap is way better thank you <laughs> there you go um yeah so in terms of keenan allen if they straight up cut him pre-june 1 uh, they would take on a $6.9 million dead cap hit, and they would save $14.8 million. Uh, if they post-dated that to after June 1st, it would be they dead cap that, of yeah. it would be dead cap of 4.2 and cap savings of 17 and a half. Um Cross trade is basically there. the same as cutting pre-June pre-June pre 1st. So there you go. All right. Uh, Max Vegas said, not going to lie, the ref chased him down. Hall of Fame instigator. I agree. That was that was not ideal behavior, I think. Oh, man. We got a lot more of these, don't we? <laughs> you want me to read them? On a switch, yeah, go on for a break. It. From Kendall Larson, this loss really, really hurt. Thank you guys for your coverage. It makes it slightly more bearable. Hopeless now, but I believe I will hope again. Come searching. Come some coaching changes. Thanks, guys. Oh, yeah. we're No, we're winning the Super Bowl in about four months. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Uh, all in baby all right let's get to the next one (laughs) god joe alexander tell me why the two away games i went to in the past year are this game tonight and week 18 last year why do we deserve this what did we do for this thoughts and prayers (laughs) thoughts and prayers man that's hard let Um, me let me i'm sorry yeah let me say this too so Brooke and I have been to other Utah games, like away games where they've won. My parents, however, uh, the last games that they have been to were this year's away games. This year's Rose Bowl, which was an atrocity. Uh, last year's Rose Bowl, the Pac-12 championship loss at the hands of Justin Herbert in 2019. Pac-12 championship loss at the hands of Washington in 2018. Uh, they went to, they, they're like 0-6 in their last road trip game. So, you know. Shit happens, I guess. What a life. Yeah. From John Webb, Foster is Storm 2.0. 
is a first what it takes to get Peyton. Denver doesn't have a first to give. We'd be competing with them in Arizona. Thanks, Bolt Up. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, hope you enjoy Thailand. That was a great yeah. tweet. <laughs> it was also a great tweet from Bridget uh, saying that she thinks there's going to be more one-way tickets to Thailand yeah. after the game. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, my goal, I was thinking about this even before the game, my goal for some of the draft this year will be to try to to just give the Chargers middle floor players, even if they don't necessarily need that player and that player may not play a ton. I'd rather go get them, honestly, a backup tackle in the third round than maybe like another receiver or something. It depends. But the drop-off from a good player to Foster Sorrell, you, you can't do that. That will tank the team. And literally, we saw tonight how catastrophic it could be. Um, um, in terms of the Denver thing, they do have a first. They got a first-round pick from the Dolphins, which is the Niners' first-round pick, courtesy of the uh, Bradley Chubb trade. So they have one first-round well, pick this year. Oh, that's true. I forgot about that. I so we'll get to the rest about of that. that. We'll get to the rest of that in a second. Uh, have a good day, says I. Am I crazy for wanting the front staff to draft no. Bijan? Run game is an absolute yeah. is absolutely atrocious. Um, yeah, not they have way too many other needs to draft a running back in the first round. <laughs> If you think the running back is the problem, you should just look at the O-line blocking. Like, I know mm -hmm. Eckler hasn't been as good as a pure runner this year, but the O-line just can't run block for shit. So, yeah, this is not um, the run. Uh, Bijan won't solve the problem, I promise you. Right. I mean, and if they had Bijan, then they're just going to run him to the right. And, you know, and if... Uh, That's an know. improvement. Yeah. I'll take it to would... the right. I'll take Bijan to the <laughs> maybe, right. I'm not maybe they Bichon run him to the, the right. <laughs> Um, sorry, I meant to say they'll fucking run him to the left and he'll run into, I don't know, Foster Sarrell's ass. And, you know, so then there if he's on the team next year, dude, <laughs> Storm Norton was on the fucking team this year. So they didn't oh, use him. Alex they didn't, was right. Oh, no, they didn't fucking use him for shit. But I mean, nice dude, I guess. All right. Topher have been here since 94, 95. If Staley is so analytical. Why didn't he realize the Jags game plan was the same in the second half as the first game we played? I don't know if we can say that 100% oh, yeah. certainty right now. They, it seemed like in the second half they were pushing the ball downfield more yeah. and a lot more screens, mm. which the first game was mostly RPOs, but the, which the Chargers locked up in the first half. Yeah. But it, it seemed like the Chargers were focused on stopping that even in the second half, even when the Jags adjusted, which, again, that was, that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, Topher again, fourteen and two with Schottenheimer. Now we get this trash Madden on pro difficulty type play. <laughs> that's a that's a good way to say that. Oh, hey, Will, Will Struthers, uh, shout out to Will Struthers, man, former uh, fellow Bolt beat writer as well. Um, appreciate the content this season. Super awesome to see what you guys have built. Unbelievably embarrassing loss, but that's. Uh, he said, "What's the timeline on staff news? Hard to see any hope beyond cleaning house in the heat of the moment." So. Um, appreciate the super chat there in terms of the coaching staff. We'll, we'll run through it as, as best as we can here in a second. Uh, I want to get to some of the specifics here, but, uh, yeah, uh, Christian Hernandez again, why doesn't Herbert running anymore? I feel like coaching has to do with it. Lombardi never called any rollouts or got him out of the pocket. Second half. <laughs> they called, I think one play action shot and it was a sack. <laughs> so, cause they called the same three plays. Um, running is also part of the ribs. Like, I mean, you know, yeah, totally had cracked ribs for three months. Yeah. Um, Kendall Larson says, what do you say to Chargers fans after this? 
I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, cheers and, you know, throwing back. I don't know. Keep drinking. <laughs> yeah, keep what if you don't drink? <laughs> oh. Keep eating funeral potatoes. Yeah. Keep yeah. chowing down on those funeral potatoes. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Do we know how many more we have, by the way? I don't know. People just keep sending us money. <laughs> We'll be here until fucking Monday morning. Oh, okay. We'll just run. We'll, we'll try and keep going, I guess. Uh, Staley deserves there's some much blame for the offense. He's the head coach. Everything runs through him. He has been allowing this all year. Yeah. Yeah. I think the complacency to let the offense just be whatever it was, next man up, I think that is definitely part of Staley, who gets his defensive guys. Uh, Tara Romero, people want Sean Payton. My only worry with that is that he would keep Lombardi. And the Marty is so detrimental to Herbert's growth in every single way. I don't know if he would keep Joe Lombardi. I don't know if that's I like... I don't think he would. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if he decided to to keep Joe around. But um, mm-hmm. also in that instance, Joe Lombardi's not calling plays. Like, that's, yeah. that's all Sean Payton. So, you know, I, I've said this, like, same thing. It's like... You know, you're you're talking about like the difference between Matt Nagy and Andy Reid. Like it's it's not the same thing when mm-hmm. the disciple runs it. Like the Joe Lombardi is the master of the offense. We made it. <laughs> we made it to what? That was the, the end? end of the super chats. That was the oh. end. Okay. <laughs> okay. Is the discussion properly tabled? Okay. So we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Talking about Brandon Staley, first and foremost about Sean Payton, because Sean Payton is obviously mm-hmm. the name that everybody wants to talk about. So um, we'll talk about him, or at least mention what it'll cost to potentially get him, and then we'll talk about Brandon Staley. So there was a report, I believe from ESPN, a few weeks ago, that the Saints were looking for a trade package of sorts for Sean Payton that was comparable to the trade package that the uh, Raiders got, or excuse me, that, yeah, that the Raiders got from the Buccaneers for John Gruden back in the early 2000s. That trade package was two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and I think it was like $8 million in cash. And that's the first thing when it comes to Sean Payton. I don't know if that is exactly the trade package it would take, but it's not going to be like just a first round pick. Like I saw a comment in here, like throw a couple seconds at the saints. They're not doing that. They're not doing that for Sean Payton. You're going to have to give up at least two first round picks. In my opinion, the other thing is that you're going to have to rework his contract 
and pay him at least $20 million a year. So those are the other things that you have to talk about when it comes to Sean Payton. That's the hot name. You're talking about at least two first-round picks, and you're talking about $20 million in, in a contract while also paying Brandon Staley his buyout, which it's not a, a ton of money, but um, you know that is what it is. So that's the Sean Payton stuff that I wanted to get out of the way, clarify that, everybody kind of asking about him. That being said, Brandon Staley, obviously – I can't imagine a worse two-week stretch of <laughs> of media attention than Oof. what Brandon Staley is about to receive after you know playing the starters last week for too long, after Mike Williams gets injured, fractures his back, and everything kind of gets brought back up again yesterday. And now you're talking about the third worst blown lead in NFL playoff history uh, in consecutive weeks. So... I don't know how tuned in the Chargers front office is going to be, Chargers ownership going to be with the media and the way that they are talking about him. That, I guess, is is a different discussion. To me, I think the Chargers should move on at this point and, and try and get a different coaching staff to maximize this window because whatever you think of the players, whatever you think of, of the window, they went all in on this window I just think it's pretty clear at this point that this coaching staff is not the right coaching staff to maximize this team. Tyler. Oh, okay. Uh, there, like you said, could not have been a worse scenario for Brandon Staley because even before the game, you and I had similar thoughts on that Ian Rappaport, you know, segment or whatever, where you know he reported that. You know, yeah. the, even though Staley earlier in the week said that it was just his decision, like, yep, it's definitely me. Ian Rappaport all of a sudden, sudden has a segment that, yep, the entire organization and everybody was behind this. It was an organizational decision to play Mike Williams and really the whole team through most of that game. So to me, I thought that was signaling because, you know, you feed one guy information, they feed it to everyone else. You speak through the media that they had Brandon Staley's back. It would not surprise me to see Brandon Staley back, although I do think both of the coordinators are fired if he does return. Until what happened tonight, where it's like, I don't think they could have done a worse thing. Not only, And it wasn't just like, yes, they blew a huge lead, and that's fireable as is. But you could even go further and go back to last week, where if you say, listen, if they had Mike Williams, they might have won tonight. Now, again, that's a whole wishy-washy topic. We've already covered it, but I, I really thought before the game that they were signaling that they were going to stick by him no matter what. With this loss and the embarrassment tonight and ending the season the way that they have, and frankly, you know, beating up on some bad teams and, and losing to the Broncos en route to the postseason, like, I don't know, man. I, I really think... So I've, I've been out since the Kansas City game. Like, I've made that clear that I was out on this coaching staff by the Kansas City game. But they were at a point in this game where I, I was like, yeah, you know what? I think this. I think they've turned it around. And instead, they just got out coached in the second half, which makes me think that, like, okay, well, the players did well in the first half, and you got out coached in the second. I don't know. I think at this point, I can't trust Brandon Staley to continue to do better I, I guess next year which sucks because like you could see a path 
And there, if he stays, this might happen. There's a path where he could get better and you get the right offensive coordinator. Like you go find your Ryan Ficken that turns around your offense. I mean, this seems a great team potentially if they're healthy. But I, I just don't know if you can trust him to get there. And unfortunately, there's been too many missteps throughout the year in other areas for other reasons. I just can't trust him to 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 pull this off next year, to be completely honest. It sucks, but it also felt like the one thing when they hired him was, well, there are always going to be changes in the offense of whatever because they're going to keep you know the offensive coordinator I might get hired or whatever. And there's no real stability around Herbert in the offensive system because you have a defensive-minded head coach. I feel like if you're going to make that break and officially commit to the offensive head coach, whoever that is, I do think this is a great time to do it. Yeah. Um, no, Brandon Staley should be fired. Tom Telesco should be fired. There's no coming back from this. Oh, Telesco, and, for sure. Yeah. Look, 20, 27-0 is 27-0, man. Um, it, it's kind of as simple as that, but... Part of it is, like Tyler said, maybe there's a world where you hire an offensive coordinator and you like continue to wait for Staley to develop. You can't fucking wait for Staley to develop anymore. Like You have to get a coach in there, whether that's Sean Payton, whether that's somebody else, I don't know. But who is this? It is this an established coach, right? Like Doug, uh, Doug Peterson out there tonight. Like if Doug Peterson coached this game for the Chargers, they win, right? Like if Bill Belichick coaches this game for the Chargers, they win. If Andy Reid coaches this game for the Chargers, they win, et cetera, et cetera. How are you going to continue to ask Brandon Staley to like go out there and coach against Andy Reid and John Harbaugh and all of these guys in the AFC, which he's going to have to continue to do for a number of years when he hasn't really proven that he can do it. And every time he goes against one of those coaches, he loses, Right. I mean, you know, that's yeah. that's all you can say. Look, he, he's been he beat Andy Reid uh, once. Right. Um, in his first year, um, Bill Belichick lost to him. Um, and, and then tonight against Doug Peterson, where Doug Peterson, like, didn't even really do anything that was like all that special uh, outside of like turn up the aggression and kind of change the RPO game plan. Doug Peterson didn't like do a whole lot in this game to take it away from Brandon Staley. And he just never adjusted, man. Like, um, this is a team that, you know, especially when you talk about going all in, right? And, you know, restructuring the Khalil Mack contract and, you know, extending all the guys on this roster for the long term for this Justin Herbert window. I don't know how you can bank on Brandon Staley improving in another year and sell that A, to the team and B, to the fans slash the media, right? Um, I just don't think you can do it anymore. And like, you know, uh, the media is about to have a fucking field day with Staley. They deserve it. Like they, they deserve their fucking field day with Staley because they said he was going to be shit. And he decided to play Mike Williams in that game, lost Mike Williams, and then blew a 27 point fucking lead afterward. Right? Like they were right. Like, you know, yeah, I mean a lot of it is going to be like, you know, grandpas on fucking ESPN talking about analytics and screaming at the sun, but like whatever method they got to being right, they were fucking right um, about this, you know, regardless of what their take on it is. Um, so, you know, as far as like, you know, obviously the fourth down stuff, that's Stanley's whole like thing with the media in addition to all these other things that have developed this year, but like Staley hasn't, given any reason 
why I think he should remain the head coach, right? And anything that he has given that's positive, we've talked about, you know, the game plan against the Dolphins, the game plan against the Titans, and some of the games he has won this year. I think the losses are just so much worse, right? Because, like, this is a team that in the right positions, you know, really should still be in the playoffs tonight, you know, competing potentially with the Chiefs next week. But the reason they're not in that position is because of Brandon Staley's poor leadership tonight, poor coaching tonight, and the decision not to bench Mike Williams, and the decision not to bench the Chargers starters last week. Um, so, you know, you can say it's like a one-off thing, and, you know, obviously the the whole argument regarding benching Mike Williams and all this other stuff goes back, and, you know, everyone has their own opinions on that at this point. But, you know, at some point, it's the results over the process, right? And the process that Staley took led to inherently riskier results that ended up not working out. Um, so I think it's a shame um, that this didn't go better. But at this point, I I don't know what Brandon Staley has shown you that in year three, things are going to be magically different if you find the right offensive coordinator. Um, because I, I just, I don't think he's improved that much in terms of game management. I, I really don't think he has done that much uh, at this point. Sad yeah. to say, but I, I think you just got to move on. To Alex's point before Arjun jumps in, the Chargers beat one other playoff team this year, and that was the Dolphins. That was it. Yeah. And the Dolphins went on to lose uh, all but one of the rest of their games, which the one game that they won the rest of the year was the Skylar Thompson game against the Jets in Week 18. 9-6, to six, baby. Right, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I think so. First off, I think it, I I do I don't think it's like this easy decision to fire Staley. I mm. I you know he this roster this year was the most injured roster, not only in the league but I think we've seen of this Chargers team in like recent years where mm. Slater out, Bosa out, Keenan, mm. Mike have all missed time. It was a tough year. And he got them to the playoffs, him and Herbert. The defense, the pass defense turned it around in the second half. We saw some great game plans. We saw some great defensive games called by Staley. And, you know, I think we have to give him a little bit of credit for that. But then also, just like Steven brought up, it was one playoff team they beat. And it was the most fraudulent playoff team probably of the entire, uh, on both conferences, where the Dolphins offense looked better than they did because they got to play it some very easy pass defenses and they got the blueprint from the Niners. I don't even think it was Staley who kind of inherited this game plan. He saw what the Niners did and how much success they had and took that. He was mad about that too. Yeah. I think he, I mean, the fourth down stuff he's gotten worse at all the edges he got, he gained for the chargers winning the Browns game, winning the chiefs game by going for on fourth down. We didn't see any of it, any of it this year. We saw two games against the chiefs where he's, kicking and punting punting in on fourth down. And now he just blew a 27 to zero lead in the playoffs. And I don't know, it's tough to to justify anything right now because you can't blow that lead. You can't, you're supposed to like, I don't care that you're missing Mike Williams. You're up 27 zero. Your defense has forced five turnovers. I it's, it's tough to ask the defense to do any more than force five turnovers. But at some point, like you're a defensive head coach, like at some point we should be able to rely on you to get a stop. And when 
I think all of us have had that feeling of this is the inflection point of the game. And we saw that. It was yeah. right when the Jags scored that touchdown before half, it's like, okay, tides are turning a little bit. You run a jet sweep and then a 30-yard punt, and then the tides turn. And I thought last year that we got over this whole feeling of the Chargers are going to blow another lead. The Chargers are going to blow this you know, game somehow with Anthony Lynn, with Mike McCoy. But we're right back at it where it's the same old Chargers. It's it's the same old Chargers where there's no faith to extend the lead. Once they get up, it's complacent. There's no ability to switch the game in your favor. And it sucks. It really does. Because like I thought Saley was the guy after last year. Even they even though they didn't make the playoffs, he was doing a lot of things right. I mm-hmm. I just think he had the personnel. This year was his year to build the roster and his image. Obviously, injuries derailed that, but you get into the playoffs. And you're only really missing Mike Williams and Rashawn Slater at this point. J.C. Jackson was worse than Michael Davis, so I don't really think that's that cancels yeah. out. And this is the most healthy you've been, and you choke that game away. I don't. I just. It's tough to really see any vision that you know he's going to be back. I, I I don't know what the decision is, but it's it's very tough. Yeah, and and I think like Arjun said, kind of going into this year where you invest all that money. In the defense, you you know get the personnel that Staley wanted. You do all the things that Staley wanted in the offseason, right? Um, in terms of swinging the Cleo Mack trade and going out and signing J.C. Jackson, obviously that didn't work for you know different reasons in terms of the injury. Um, but the Chargers really had the the dream offseason, so to speak, and yeah. for it to not come into any fruition um, it is tough. And I, I think the real reason that it's hard to by a year three of Staley for me, and this is kind of what Arjun was pointing at, is like, you could say after year one, hey, Staley got better at this throughout the season and, you know, improved his negatives or the drawbacks throughout the season. I think Staley got worse at the things he was good at last year in terms of making those hard decisions uh, and, you know, going for it on fourth down. He regressed as a decision maker. And then the things that he was bad at in terms of you know you know potentially coaching up to his competition and the in-game adjustments those got worse this year right so it's in addition to saying we're kind of going in the wrong direction here right if you want to see a coach who comes into the league and every year improves 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 that's just not what you're seeing with staley right now i think you can say he improved after year one i don't i don't see how you say he improved in year two to the point where you can give him a year three. And in fact, it's hard to say he didn't regress, um, especially considering a, what the expectations were and then b the situations that he was put in and what he did with said situations. Um, This year was supposed to be different and it wasn't different because of the various deficiencies of the coaching staff, whether that's Daly himself or Lombardi um, or, you know, kind of the rest of the, leadership vacuum in that sense as well so um tough all around but I, like everyone in the chat everyone on twitter i you know we're talking an hour after the game so everyone's obviously frustrated i don't know if this is what people will think in a week but if you're asking me in a week whether i'm going to change my mind on whether he should be fired i don't feel like i'm going to wake up tomorrow or a week from now or a month from now and think anything different um there's just been regression on all fronts and I think the Chargers need someone who is proven. Yeah, I th- go ahead, Tyler. No, I think you're probably about to say the same thing. Where 
if they do fire Brandon Staley, they've always pivoted to someone. Granted, it's usually been with Tolesco, and I do think Tolesco has gone regardless. They've always pivoted to someone who's different and uniquely different, and and, and whatever the previous coach was lacking, they've always pivoted to the what that candidate had that maybe that previous candidate didn't have. And you know, McCoy got a Lynn for the players because McCoy just like you could tell that he just had no control over a locker room. Lynn had the players, but he was backwards thinking or wasn't forward thinking at least. Staley is the forward thinking guy, defense side of the ball. And so now I think your only option left in the way that they should pivot. I think at this point with Herbert on his rookie contract, you have to veteran coach. And um, <laughs> I really don't want a cycle of them interviewing Jason Garrett, but they're <laughs> <laughs> but they're going to do some stuff like that. And I mean, I I don't think they'll hire Jason Garrett by any means, but I also don't blame them for interviewing these veteran head coaches because if they do fire Staley, and again, that's a big if, I mean, they're going to have to cycle through some veteran coaches, and he's one of them. Yeah, so first and foremost, regarding Tom Telesco, I've I felt like this is his last chance. You know, this this was it. This You know, him and Staley had, you know, presumably a much more collaborative relationship than previous uh coaching staffs and um you know it was uh everything was kumbaya in the off season and you know it was it was a great off season like alex highlighted um you know but there there's just no way to justify you know him sticking around to hire a fourth head coach like there's there's mm-hmm. just no way um you know there's some uncertainty about his his contract i i think he this is not his last year under contract. I'm pretty sure that you know, the Chargers will not sit here with a lame duck GM. That being said, like it just it makes too much sense to to clean house in that regard. R- regarding kind of my my final takes here about Brandon Staley, this is not an Anthony Lynn situation for me. Uh, you know, we did like three shows in 2020. Like Anthony Lynn sucks, fire him. I'm not at that point. You know, I'm not at the point where I think Anthony Lynn is just like a terrible head coach. Like I think Brandon Staley. I think you could probably still talk yourself into like saving him as a head coach, you know, get a veteran offensive coordinator in here, you know, get him back to his fourth down mentality. And I think he, he does do some good things. I mean, he, he, you know, it would, would have been very easy for him to lose this locker room this season. And and he didn't. And, you know, for the most part in terms of timeout management, game management, he's been pretty good. So I, I think you could theoretically talk yourself into Brandon Staley being fixed, so to speak. I just, with the way that this team is built, the way that this team has been constructed to win now, I just don't think that Brandon Staley is the guy to maximize this window that the Chargers are in. So that that is my take. I don't think Brandon Staley is the right man for the job, but I'm not at like Anthony Lynn levels right now of this guy sucks, like get him off my team. Like the end of 2020 was just brutal for, for that that specific team. So this is just more about me thinking that Brandon Staley's not the guy that to to lead this team to a Super Bowl, and I think even if you go about trying to fix him with a, a more veteran coaching staff, I just don't know if that really changes anything. So, to me, the the iron is hot. You you make a, a clean sweep of this coaching staff of this front office, and uh, mm-hmm. ideally Ryan Ficken sticks around. But I just mm-hmm. don't think that this this specific regime can can lead the Chargers to the promised land. Let it rip, Alex. This is Anthony Lynn bad. This is Anthony Lynn bad. Like, we can try to salvage it all we want. 27-0 is 27-fucking-0. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, yeah. 
I, I don't know, man. Like, what what are we talking ourselves into at this point? Like, you can talk about improving and, and getting an offensive coordinator and all that. I, I just I I don't I don't think there's any coming back from this. Um to be so, clear, I do I do agree with these takes. Yeah. I'm just saying that like I could see a world where like the front office and the Chargers organization yeah. and people can talk themselves into right. you know saving Brandon Staley. I'm not one of those people, to be clear. Yeah, I absolutely. agree with your takes. I'm just right. saying that I think that is there is a realm of possibility yeah. here where Brandon Staley is saved by a veteran, you know, offensive coordinator or something like that. Yeah. And uh oh my god, are people seriously saying in the chat that we forget that we were up 27-0? Jesus fucking Christ. Um, anyway, <laughs> regardless. I, I yeah, I I think what we said is just Brandon Staley, when they fired Anthony Lynn, was the coach for the moment, in a sense, right? Because it's like, okay, you have this young team. It is when he was hired, it was not a contender yet, right? You have to kind of rebuild things culture-wise. You have to continue to develop Justin Herbert. You have to continue to go with this. Um, but Justin Herbert's here, right? He's a top three or five quarterback, depending on how what you want to define it. You've invested all the resources into this roster, you you've done like everything from that sense, you know, and obviously depth is something that we'll talk about in drafting and Tom Telesco and all that, but you, you've pulled all the resources in, right? You've put all your poker chips in the middle of the table. And I think at this point, like Brand Staley's just not going to be that guy who pushes you over the top. Um, and I, I think that's like the biggest reason for firing him. Like, honestly, um, I, I don't know. I just don't know how this like continues, like we said, to kind of get better next year. And, you know, obviously there's going to be a lot of hurt with how the season ended, um, particularly these last two weeks of the season. And maybe that's not fully representative of Brandon Staley's 2022 season. Um, but, yeah, I, I think he could have been the coach for the moment in 2021. But if we want this team to be anywhere near a Super Bowl contender next year, I don't know how you're signing on the dotted line for Brandon Staley. Arjun, any other thoughts there? Um, first up, shout out to Aldo Vlad, Vladho. Arjun has the best hair here. Sorry, Tyler. I will take that. that crowd. <laughs> um, Second is cool, I guess. <laughs> but it's, again, I it goes back to you can't just blow 27-0 leads in the playoffs. It's it's like, I, I I don't understand how that happens. It, again, starts with a, a failed jet sweep. I remember Tyler and I went to the first training camp practice. They ran a jet sweep with DeAndre Carter. I turned to Tyler, and I'm like, that's going to be a good play, right? <laughs> <laughs> and... And it was... It hasn't worked all season in the biggest stage... I don't know if that was Herbert's check into a, a jet sweep or an audible or that was the actual call, but you can't be running third down, you know, jet sweeps to Michael Bandy. And even if your def even if your defense, Brandon Staley, got you five turnovers, got you great field position, I don't think that excuses you from giving up 20, 24 points and a half. I don't did the Jags even like punt in the second half? I think they probably punted like once or something. Like at some point you have to get a stop, like you're a defensive coach. And 
when the Jags were down, when the Jags were down 16, it, it was like, okay, they're going to score. When they're down 10, it was like, okay, they're, they're going to score. There's just, there's nothing that I got from Brandon Staley this year, even last year, that he can adjust. They've gotten cooked by good offensive coaches like Andy Reid, yeah. like Kyle Shanahan, like Josh, Josh McDaniels, McDaniels. <laughs> uh, Josh McDaniels in the second half of games. And we saw that today where their first half game plan is great. Staley knows how to game plan for an offense based on the script. Top- yeah. You know, based on their script, based on their past film, better than many coaches in the league as a defensive coach. But what he struggles at, and I haven't seen any growth from him here in either two years, is adjusting on the fly. And that's a problem on both offensive and defensive coaching staffs, where the offense looked great in the first half. Herbert, Herbert was firing on all cylinders. In the second half, they go back to the same standard seven-strap dropbacks. felt like they barely used any play action. No, nothing to get Herbert on the move to kind of mitigate Foster Sorrell. And you're still running the ball behind Sorrell instead of Zion Johnson and Trey Pipkins, who have been moving people all year. So it's, again, it comes back to you can't blow a 27-point lead in the playoffs. But how does that happen? It's because you're not adjusting as a coach and you're still playing conservative in fourth down and, and high-leverage situations. Yeah, yeah. Before, I don't know. Before Alex jumps in, the last mm-hmm. drives of the Jaguars, they had the touchdown before the half, and then in the second half, they went touchdown, 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 field goal. Yeah. Um, it, and like four of was... those drives were like 14 plays, seven minutes off the clock, too. Like, it was mm-hmm. extended right. drive after extended drive. It was awful. Like, r- real quick, I think a great measure of, like, how good a coach is, is just look at the third quarter. That's when you go into halftime and make your adjustments. That's when you mm-hmm. go into halftime, you look at the film and say, this is what they did. This is what Great we're going to counter with. Mm-hmm. The Chargers are the worst third quarter team in the NFL. I don't care what the Vikings are. The Chargers are the worst team. And it's like, <laughs> there's, you know, everyone knows as a Charger fan that at, in the third quarter, they're going to stink it up. And it's how mm-hmm. bad they stink it up to how much they have to mitigate in the fourth quarter. And today they couldn't mitigate anything. And on top of that, Dicker misses a kick to potentially give them a chance to at least win. And, you know, now we know the end result. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the biggest thing with that is just like, like Arjun said, lack of adjustments in the third quarter. It, it's not coincidental that they've been the worst third quarter team every game. And then the one time they were a good third quarter team, it was against the fucking Rams, right? Like that was the one time you could point to a third quarter and be like, oh, they did good. All the Rams were dead and they were playing Baker Mayfield for like three weeks. So, you know, (laughs) at this point, really, what it just comes down to for me, and if you're not a good adjustments coach, it's really hard to buy you as a candidate in the AFC. Like we like I said earlier. You're going to have to go against Andy Reid. You're going to have to go against John Harbaugh. You're going to have to go against Sean McDermott. You're going to have to go against Doug Peterson, you know, presumably for like the next number of years here. And I I just, Brandon Staley probably had like the worst possible year he could have had from an adjustment standpoint to be able to convince you that he's going to be able to go against those guys and come out on top. You know, and I, I didn't even say Bill Belichick because the Patriots aren't in the playoffs this year. But, you know, same kind of concept there. Yeah. Uh, official stats for the Chargers in 2022. 
uh, 29th in offensive scoring in the third quarter and 25th in defensive scoring allowed in the third quarter. There you go. They're so like they are... they're like the the Golden State Warriors are the best third quarter team like in NBA history. The Kevin Durant 2019 <laughs> Golden State Warriors. The Chargers are like the complete polar opposite of that. Like they're the shittiest third quarter team of all time in American professional sports. <laughs> There's no other team that's worse than them. I yeah, I <laughs> Every single week, I'm like, shout out to Panasaurus Rex. Woo, not 32nd. Yeah, right. Every single week, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, the Chargers won the toss. They deferred. They're going to get the ball the second half. And it doesn't mean shit. They never yeah, scored a, they never score a touchdown in the third quarter. It's so frustrating. They won like they won the coin toss like 16 times this year, man. And they had the ball to start the second half in every single game. And it didn't mean shit all year long. It's so frustrating. They scored like four third quarter touchdowns all season long, man. Like they went, they they broke that streak uh, against the Rams, and then they didn't score a third quarter touchdown last week or today. It's tonight, so frustrating. Tonight, I was excited in the third quarter <laughs> when they started and they punted from their own forty because you know what punting from your own forty is not going three and fucking out to start the half. That's how shit this offense is in the third quarter, man. Like, it's it's horrendous. So, Joe Lombardi certainly can't be back. I mean, that's a non-starter. But, like, I, I don't know. Like, in terms of the coaching staff in general, like, I mean, the thing that Arjun just said a couple minutes ago, you know, you're kind of judged by your adjustments, especially when all of these teams are uber-talented and they've stacked all the pieces. Um, there's no really untalented team in the AFC. They're, they're all up there, um, you know, and right now the Ravens and the Dolphins don't have their quarterbacks in these playoffs, but if they did, um, you know, it would really be a, a tight race between those teams. Um, but, you know, as the Chargers, like, you're just not, you're not going to play, like, the fucking, I don't know, you're not going to play the fucking Cardinals every week. And even when they played the Cardinals, they looked like shit uh, for most of that game, too, until Gerald Everett got a two-point conversion. Um, but I, I, I don't know, man, like it's just really tough to watch again from an adjustment standpoint. And I don't know how you go into next year, even if they hire a new offensive coordinator and be like, well, now the third quarter offense is going to work. And if you're the worst, I mean, I honestly think this is kind of merciful that they lost this game. Because if they went into Kansas City next week without Mike Williams and without DeAndre Carter, uh, <laughs> and without Michael Davis, and had and had a Joe Lombardi stinky third quarter in that game, you're probably talking about them losing. I don't know, fifty-one to twenty. But um, I don't know, man. Like that, this is just it's, it's tough to take, and I, I don't know how it gets better from here. Yeah, I just it, the the way that this offense has performed all season long with Justin Herbert at quarterback, and again, there's been injuries. Absolutely, have have played a factor. But it's just inexcusable. And again, today they come out of halftime. Their their first drive goes seven plays, thirty-seven yards. They they punt from the Jaguars' thirty-eight yard line. It was a twenty-seven yard punt. But you look at the plays that were run. It was an Austin Eckler run right. Their only run right of the second half that was tackle for loss for four yards. Uh, Justin Herbert short pass, probably stick to Trey McKitty uh, for five yards on second and fourteen. Third and nine at the LA Chargers 26. They run a screen pass to Gerald Everett. 
which was taken 25 yards. It was a it was a pretty badass play by Gerald Everett, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, first and 10, short pass to Keenan Allen. First and 10, pass incomplete, short right to Gerald Everett. Second and 10, J- Justin Herbert pass incomplete, short right to Keenan Allen. Third and 10, Justin Herbert pass incomplete, short left to Austin Eckler. Like, <laughs> there's just zero attempt to, like, access the vertical parts of the field. And, like, shocker, you can't really do that when you're running out four slot receivers, basically. And then to end the game, Great. so the, Jag- the Jaguars score a touchdown with three minutes and 22 seconds left. Like, literally the only thing that that offense cannot have happen in that instance is a three and out, and that is exactly what happened. Justin Herbert gets sacked on first down for seven yards. Then they they did another screen pass to Austin Eckler, went for four yards. And then at that point, you're third and 13 from your own 22-yard line. Like, the, the offensive game plan and execution was just atrocious. Again, the only thing that you could not have happen was a three and out where you didn't take any time off the clock. And that's exactly what happened. And that's exactly what has happened all season long in these instances where the Chargers need an extended drive. And instead it's a three and out and they punt the ball to the team with all the momentum. And that's what happens. You get the, uh, you get the Travis Etienne run on fourth down and the Chargers lose. So, you know, it's just, it's inexcusable to me to have this kind of offense with Justin Herbert at quarterback, even if the injuries, even with all the, the, um, inconsistencies even with the receiver depth like you have justin herbert at quarterback you know how many teams in the nfl would kill to have justin herbert at quarterback like i just tweeted this out yesterday the washington commanders have had like 17 different starting quarterbacks since they like kirk cousins walk in free agency including like colt mccoy four times and taylor heineke three times like you don't think they would kill to have justin herbert at quarterback so it's just it's inexcusable to me the way that they coach offense and have coached offense this whole season and I, I promise, I promise you, the right take isn't that the right take coming out of this game isn't shouldn't. I, I do think Herbert didn't play up to his standard. I, I do think he wasn't great, especially in the second half. But I promise you, the answer isn't that he isn't the guy. And I, I think if anything, this was a game that kind of propelled Lawrence into that tier two. Now, I've been I said it in week 16 that I thought he could be a tier two quarterback. And now I think he's even with Herbert, but this is not a Jags podcast. I'm just saying this doesn't take away from Herbert being the guy. And it shouldn't. The reason everyone on Twitter in the media is clamoring for Sean Payton is because of Justin Herbert. If he sucks all this bad, if he isn't this guy, then why does everyone want him to be quote unquote unlocked? Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost as if we haven't even seen the best version of him because we haven't. We haven't. Yeah. His rookie year. We saw a vertical offense that was poorly coached, had a terrible align, and you know sucked in game management at, at like the game management stuff, which made him look bad. This regime, we're seeing a slightly better coached team. I think from a like execution standpoint, especially this year. I think last year they had some troubles pre-snap. Slightly better execution, but everything is horizontal. There's no vertical. It's all about getting to third and manageable. Never trying to convert on first and second down. It's always Herbert go be a god on third down. You know, Herbert today, 0.54 EPA per play on third down. The Chargers on early downs, negative 0.04 EPA per play. Jesus you want to compare that, compare that to the Jags, 0.15 EPA per play. 55% success rate on early downs for the Jags. 35% success rate on early downs for the Chargers. There's, like, I've, I listen to Ben Johnson, who obviously I, I would think he's a great head coaching candidate if, you know, whatever happens, happens. The one thing he prioritized in his first 
press conference before the season, early down play calls. I want to stay ahead of the sticks and not only get the third and manageable, I want to convert first downs on early downs. That's never been a point of emphasis with this coaching staff. It's always relying on Justin Herbert to be a god on third downs, and that's not an offense. It ha- it wasn't an offense last year. It wasn't an offense his rookie year. It, it wasn't an offense this year, especially when you can't fucking pass protect with anyone, like with your backup tackles at, at Storm Norton and Foster Sherell. And everything got exposed tonight on the biggest stage, and it, it sucks because it makes him look bad. And then also, you know, the coaching staff obviously should take a lot of the blame for that. Yeah, and I think like Arjun said, the reason this job is so valuable if it were to become open is because of Justin Herbert, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we could talk about the other stuff on the team. Obviously, you have Joey Bosa and Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and the whole thing. But he's the guy that makes the engine run. He's the guy that makes, you know, uh, Sean Payton not really take like the Cardinals and the Broncos jobs super seriously, right? Like he would rather fucking have this Chargers job. Uh, over all of those positions, right? Like, that's pretty clear uh, from what we know so far as far as the Sean Payton thing. And I think past Sean Payton, when you look at other head coaching candidates, um, there are plenty of other guys who would just kill to have Justin Herbert, like Steven said earlier, um, you know, like with the Washington thing. It, it's, it's, it's just hard. The two playoff games that happened today are Kyle Shanahan with Brock Purdy, you know, launching fucking nukes all over the field. <laughs> Brock Purdy, of all people, and we can't figure out how to keep a 27-0 lead with Justin Herbert. We couldn't figure it out. But Kyle Shanahan is on his eighth quarterback at this point, and the Niners are probably 50-50 odds to win the NFC with the Eagles. What are we doing? Not saying the Niners aren't a more talented roster, but at some point, you just know when you have a coach that can maximize everything you have. Mm-hmm. And you know yeah. that you, when you have a coach that can hold everything back. And that's this Chargers team right now. And it's hard to watch that Jaguars game and think anything else. Tyler, any any final thoughts here? No, honestly, no. At this point, I think Alex sums it up pretty good there. Yeah, so um, there were some other Super Chats that I, I saw earlier. Apologies that we didn't get to them. There were some uh, ones from uh, Nick, I think, you know, gave a, a nice, generous Super super sticker um, expressing his thanks for us. And we, we really appreciate all of you guys sticking in. Honestly, <laughs> was definitely not expecting this many people in the chat today. Was definitely not expecting this many Super Chats. So appreciate all of you. Um, We'll see what happens. You know, I uh, I would expect some kind of coaching change, uh, at least at the coordinator level, over the next couple of days, and we'll certainly have you guys covered. So, um, obviously, there's Sean Payton, there's Jim Harbaugh out there that are kind of the big fish of this cycle. Um, we'll we'll see what happens there. You know, the Chargers would be a very attractive head coaching uh, vacancy the second that it comes open. So, um, we will have a show planned for later this week. Uh, when that happens, will kind of obviously depend on uh, any kind of coaching changes this week. So, um, whenever you know comes comes, and we'll have uh, you guys covered. I I have a, a slideshow of of twenty offensive coordinator candidates that I never got to uh, <laughs> because I didn't have time because I was working on uh, FAFSA applications at my work, and then obviously went to Utah on vacation. So. Uh, I, I'm very prepared for the offensive coordinator talk, if that is what is what needs to be. And then we'll obviously do our homework on the uh, head coaching talk as well. So, uh, Alex, did you have something else you wanted to add here? 
No, I think we can wrap this one up. Oh, I just I couldn't tell if you were were trying to say something there, but no. Um, yeah. So, I uh, appreciate you guys. You know, we'll we'll keep you posted on everything. Um, you know, obviously this was a this was a rough one, but um, thanks everybody for uh, tuning in. So, um, that's gonna do it for us tonight. Hope everybody is able to uh, get home safe. Have a good night with your family. Try not to uh, think about this loss too much this weekend. At the end of the day, life does move on, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, we'll see you guys later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.